0: Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Environmental Defense
1: Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat.
0: And we're coming to you today with a very special bonus episode. Uh, we Is have a very a special yap? guest. A there you go, Lanyap. <laughs> I should have gone with that term off the bat, Simone. Thanks for, for correcting me. But yeah, we've got a little Lanyap for you today and a very special. Uh, guest yeah. that we've had on the show once before, but it's been a while and it's good to check in. So, Simone, who are we talking to today?
1: We have a repeat offender on the show today, <laughs> so we are we are so happy to have with us Congressman Garrett Graves. Um, Garrett represents Louisiana's 6th Congressional District and uh, the House of Representatives. He always has something to talk about, and so we actually probably try to need to narrow the list down of all the things that we could talk about. But you know, Jacques, uh, I think um, his Lanyap appearance on our show is also very timely, um, just because of the time of year that it is. Garrett is no stranger to storms. We have a couple that may be entering the golf, And so it is always beneficial to remind folks that they need to get a game plan. We had Ruby Douglas on the show from Gosep, who was amazing. We talked to her again just yesterday, um, talking about uh, having your plans straight, especially in light of COVID.
0: Yeah, so definitely check out that episode with Ruby Douglas from the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. And be sure to getagameplan.org. Go to getagameplan.org. Make sure you and your family have everything you need to be prepared and safe and, and, you know, stay informed with your local officials as well as your local meteorologists like Steve Caparata and Margaret or other friends of, of the show. So. Um, and then, of course, you know, this week um, coming up, we're, we're commemorating and thinking about 15 years since Hurricane Katrina. Next month will be 15 years since Hurricane Rita. It's really hard to believe it's been that much time, but there's been a lot of progress that's happened in that time as well. So we'll be talking about that with some guests on our next show. But we also want to get the congressman's thoughts on that because he was integral to that progress into where we are today, um, 15 years later. So I guess, should we just dive right in, Simone? Let's
1: just go right in. So, Garrett, welcome back to Delta Dispatches.
2: Hey, great to be back again. I just, I want some clarification though. You talked about repeat offender. Is this like (laughs) summer school where I failed the first time and I'm coming back as a retake? Or what exactly is going on here? (laughs) You
1: brought that? meant that you'd been a previous guest on our show. So don't be ratting yourself out. But um, that actually should probably lead into our fun question, uh, which we always ask our guests. We'll ask about that later. (laughs) Uh, But so much, it seems like, you know, we had you on the show, but Good lord, there's been a, a whole lifetime that has happened since then. So, uh, but we want to check on you. How are your kids? Are they back in school? How how are y'all doing at home?
2: Yeah, we're we're doing okay. Um, things are going things are going really well. Um, we have uh, two kids that are doing the uh, the hybrid model of schooling, and uh, we have a, our our other child is uh, is doing all virtual right now. Um, so my wife and I both work and it lasted about three days with us both being home, doing our zoom meetings in different rooms and all that. And then she came in and very politely suggested that I wouldn't be working from home anymore. Um, and I'm sure, <laughs> like me. I'm sure it is. Um, uh, she also made some mention that, uh, that she enjoyed doing zoom with me when I was on mute once, but I, I, am sure it was all out of love. Uh, So now things are going well and everybody's been safe and healthy and all that. And I hope y'all are, y'all are doing well also in your family.
1: Well, if it's anything like my house, Ben and Penny just show up. They don't care if I'm on a video chat with the Congressman, they just, they'll just make special appearances. I feel like all those videos that we used to see on the news about kids coming in during very important moments that happens at our house almost every day. Uh, But I do have to say, Garrett, I, I saw that, that, um, I know that that you care about your district, but you always go above and beyond. I saw you handing out meals and and you do all those things, right? And and so I think that's really important um, for those that represent us in D.C., to still be very connected to what's happening at home. And so I know that every time, you know, I know I think about this, every time you pass out a meal, you know, that person needed it, right? Or, or you know, when you do kind of community acts like that. So I just wanted to thank you for being a good representative for the community
2: as a whole doing that. Oh, thank you. You know, the, I know it's the same with you all. Um, we have a hurricane and unfortunately we're also practiced. We know how to, how to do it, how to respond, how to prepare, um, how to recover, and, and this one's very different. It, it, it really is. We certainly have more than our share of disaster experience in Louisiana, and some of that has been helpful, but uh, I think everybody is just trying to do what they can to, to try and help our, our community members that are, that are really impacted by this. This has just been incredible.
0: Uh, this coming week is the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Next month will be the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Rita. It's hard to believe it's been that long since those storms devastated our state. But so much work has happened. You've been directly involved um, in in many of the work and kind of setting Louisiana on a better path um, forward after the storm. So is there anything you'd like to share about kind of the aftermath of Katrina and Rita, where we are 15 years later, and just, you know, how far Louisiana has come in that time?
2: Well, first, um, we, we have come a long way, but it was an incredibly painful lesson that, that we had to learn in order for us to take this threat, this vulnerability more seriously. And I think if you look back over the last 15 years, Louisiana has come in and we have recognized that there's more tools in the toolbox than just a levee or a flood wall, recognizing the role that the coastal system plays, whether it's barrier islands or, or marsh areas or uh, some of our ridges and chineers that, that help to provide that natural protection, uh, some of our coastal forests that we've invested in protecting and, um, and invested in their health and, and just really uh, re-plumbing the entire coastal area uh, to ensure that, that we have a, a sustainable system and just really looked at, at, at resiliency in a different light. So we've done that and, and made a tremendous amount of progress. And the second thing is, uh, not just in Louisiana, but nationally, uh, we have we have really begun this shift from an entirely reactive posture at the federal level, where you come in and spend billions of dollars in the aftermath of a disaster, and we're making a lot more investment on the front end, being proactive in the resilience of our communities and our ecosystem. And um, look, I, I we still have more work to do, but but a tremendous amount of progress has been made so far. And um and, and I think that we all need to be really proud of the of the work that's been done, but but should not uh rest and that we we have much more work to be done.
0: I think that's a great summary. Yeah, and I mean a lot of what has been echoed um, you know, yesterday at the CPRA board meeting, um, you know, Chairman Chip Klein kind of reflected on similar themes about the progress, but the work ahead. Um, there was some other news out of the board meeting yesterday. the The governor was there and kind of made some big announcements um, with some executive orders. I, I don't know if you had a chance to dig into them, but anything you want to comment on as it relates to kind of what was presented yesterday at the at the
2: board meeting? yeah,'m I'm, I'm glad that that the state that the governor have 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 stepped into this uh, to this area of looking at at climate and emissions, uh, the the relationship between our coastal sustainability, and sea rise and emission concentrations—all these are, are obviously have a big impact on Louisiana long term. But the the key thing, in, in my opinion, is that when you when you start talking about climate change, a lot of people in Louisiana immediately just abandon, you know, kind of jump ship, say, "No, not a chance. This is going to kill Louisiana's economy." And I actually disagree. I think when you look at the the fact that the United States has reduced emissions more than any other country in the world, and you start looking at why. Um, you realize that this actually presents an opportunity for Louisiana because it is because of of, uh, natural gas, transition to natural gas is is the main reason we've experienced the, the reduction in emissions. And secondly, the governor looks at how to take advantage of emissions reduction strategies. And Louisiana's geography and geology present huge opportunities for our state to be a leader in this. So this wouldn't be a detriment to our economy. Actually, this would be an opportunity for us to continue providing uh, this uh, assisting in this transition to, to cleaner fuels like natural gas, and secondly, a huge uh, sink or, or sequestration opportunity for the state in terms of um, being able to uh, to reduce emissions or capture emissions.
0: And there's a, I mean, a huge economic opportunity there as well, correct? For Louisiana, kind of to lead on that front,
2: it it, it really is. It's an amazing opportunity for us, and 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 we're uniquely postured with both the sequestration opportunity, and with the abundant natural resources to continue powering Louisiana and the nation and and even other countries' economies.
1: So one of the things we always like to say about Louisiana is is we're feeding and fueling the nation, right? So I want to pivot just a second um, to one of Jacques and I's favorite subjects, which is food and seafood. Um, So Garrett, please tell us a little bit more about your work with USDA on shrimp and now crawfish, as I understand it. Yeah, you to tell folks about what you did there first.
2: Well, look, we just talked about Hurricane Katrina, and y'all are all aware of the incredible devastation that happened. Whether it were it was fishing uh, boats literally on top of people's houses, as we all saw the pictures on top of bridges and other places. The, the shrimp sheds and ice houses, all the places where the fisher men and women come in to, to deliver their catch, those places were destroyed, um, just, just really, and, and not to mention the people's personal homes and businesses destroyed. And so you had that, we've seen these unfair trade practices, we've seen the farmed uh, seafood products coming in from other countries with illegal chemicals and all kinds of challenges on our, on our seafood producers and, and fishers in Louisiana. And so as we're in this coronavirus pandemic, we've seen additional impacts heaped on top of them. And so we saw it as an opportunity to connect the dots. So you have USDA is out there providing nutrition programs and food for folks, and they're already paying for these things, they are already delivering the meals. And I mean, it just, you know, we sort of had this light go off, every table needs shrimp etouffee, right? And so uh, it it was this thing, hey, look, we're already buying food and they're buying proteins and others, shrimp. And Louisiana seafood is a, is a great. It's a it's a uh, abundantly available. It's a fresh, uh, organic product. And so we started working with USDA back in April about incorporating shrimp into some of their nutrition programs. Uh, working with them on assistance to our our crawfishermen and women. And uh, ultimately, um, we were able to get a, a number of good wins. We had a a win of a, of a total. Of around seventy or eighty million dollars in assistance to our seafood producers, and then we announced twenty million dollars in uh, shrimp that will be purchased by USDA and incorporated into these nutrition programs. And then recently, just announced that crawfish or um, uh, crawfish producers will also uh, be eligible for assistance uh, from the Department of Agriculture coming up. So really, just trying to help these folks. But let me say it again. You know, jock Simone, it's all about connecting the dots. If we're already providing nutrition programs, let, let's, let's get a win-win where you're helping folks that are down and, and providing great, uh, nutritious, uh, awesome food to people around the country. So it, it's just a win-win.
1: Well, it certainly makes sense, and I think I heard your next campaign promise was eight crawfish or shrimp étouffée <laughs> on every table. <laughs> I see it now. I see the bumper stickers. Look, you got
2: to admit, it's a marketing opportunity for us. It is
1: absolutely no. All kidding aside, absolutely right. Oh, we'll have robbing. everybody
2: eating our uh, little lobsters as well,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Garrett, you connected the dots there, but you were also able to to help the um, fishing community when it came to responding to. disasters too right and that there's been some um there's some assistance available or will be available um as a result of the impacts of bonnie carrie and a few other things too right so that's a lot to keep straight but but just all to help this community that we have
2: absolutely and these are the people that we were talking about before that live on the coast uh, because they've got to be close to work right Uh, uh close to the office which is their boat and and so I mean, these folks have just been dealt one bad hand after another. And so this is just trying to provide a helping hand to them and get them through this uh, these tough times and, and ultimately back to the work that they've been doing and their families have been doing for generations. And it is such an important part of our culture, our coastal communities, and our economy in Louisiana. You know, you can't, as great as and creative as our chefs are in Louisiana, you got to admit having that abundant, awesome, product that's so fresh and readily available. It really is. It's a big head start for a lot of our great restaurants down here, which affects our economy and tourism and things along those lines.
0: Well, Congressman, I mean, there's no shortage of topics to talk about today, and you've been really busy on a number of fronts um, for Louisiana, including the fishermen, but you know, even on broader policy issues. So wanted to get your thoughts on WERDA, Water Resources Development Act. Um, I know you've worked on that for a large part of your career, and there's just been um, significant movement. I believe the House passed a version of WERDA, and the Senate did as well, Um, but where are things on WERDA, and can you highlight some of the big wins that you've helped shepherd for Louisiana?
2: Sure, sure. So uh, the the Water Resources Development Act, of course, is legislation that's supposed to pass every two years that authorizes all the Corps of Engineers' uh, efforts and projects around the country. Uh, we, we passed that out of the house about three weeks ago or so and a lot of good wins in there for for Louisiana and I think just good policy we added about a dozen things in there and um, it was it was everything from and this one's a little weedy but um, but, but Louisiana is is, is paying uh, for a lot of the hurricane protection work after Hurricane Katrina and that debt uh, inten- it was initially intended to be somewhere around 1.3 billion. But because of some of the delays and the accruing interest, um, that, that uh, debt is expected to double or perhaps even triple uh, over time. And so, what's going to happen is this is going to become an increasing uh, drag on uh, the state's budget and potentially on the coastal program itself. So, we reached an agreement with the governor and with a number of other members of Congress that if the state committed to take their cost savings. Um, from from provisions we worked on in Congress, if they committed to take the cost savings and reinvest them back in to the coast into uh, community resiliency type projects, um, then we would they would agree, we would all agree to, to pass this law that is gonna provide Louisiana the opportunity to renegotiate the debt, to uh, get some of these interest absurd or, or really high interest costs reduced. Um, we also have found ways to ensure Louisiana gets credit for other coastal work in Louisiana. At the end of the day, we think this could be valued at about a billion and a half dollars that would be uh, in savings, that would be reinvested back into uh, coastal resiliency, ecological resiliency. And, and, And look, let's keep in mind, every penny of that invested means savings for federal taxpayers in terms of future disaster cost and damages prevented. And so this really is a win for Louisiana, a win for our coast and even a win for federal taxpayers. So so that's in there. We're all aware of uh, the core, and we we often uh, say behind their backs and even to their faces that the core um, may be slow, but at least they're expensive. And, um, you know, when you have the kind of critical or urgent projects we have in Louisiana, neither of those are okay. And so we we, um, passed a provision that does both an expansion and an extension of a program that... um, will allow the state of Louisiana, the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority, our parishes, or our levy districts to actually be the lead on these Corps of Engineer projects. And so hopefully resulting in, in better, faster, cheaper uh, outcomes and delivery of these projects, which is a, a really big deal for Louisiana. So uh, we, we a lot of other wins in there, but just to highlight a few, I think those are some of the ones that are going to have the most impact on our state and our ultimately on our resilience.
1: Yeah. I just want to underscore the, the history system impact to the long-term sustainability of the coastal program. It does seem wonky. It talking about interest and payments and and all these things that is so huge to the, like I said, the long-term sustainability of the program to not have such a burden right that we kind of didn't really ask for um to to be a part of this to take that off of the table to be able to renegotiate that because frankly we are putting that money right back into the coast and we have been doing that especially jacques brought it up and, and we talked about since katrina the billions of dollars that we have just dedicated and poured back into the coast we deserve credit for that and and so um i think that that could fly under the radar, but we certainly wanna highlight as that is one of the most critical pieces. And it's reflected, I think if I'm remembering my civics correctly, it's reflected in both the House and the Senate. And so that's that's something um, that's positive. They had, uh, deepening projects uh, in Terrebonne and Lafouche, things that affect Port Fouchon and, and our friends in Terrebonne. Um, bundling, which is a fun term, financial term, that we like to talk about. Um, all of that helps us. But there are also some important project movements like diversions, right? Upper diversions that are included as well. Do you want to talk about that just for a second?
2: Sure. Uh, so it, it's no secret that we have seen... Uh, repeated uh, high water marks on the, on the Mississippi River system over the last several years. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just really amazing seeing these water levels. We hit a, we hit a record in 2011 and hit a record in 2016 and just, just continue you know, operating the Bonacari for the fir- uh, spillway, the pressure relief out for the first time ever, twice in the same year, um, first time ever opening it up in January, which isn't supposed to be a high water uh, time of the month. And, and, and you know, the first time you maybe look at it and say, wow, that's a crazy anomaly. Second time, huh, it happened again. And when you start getting third, fourth, fifth time, it's like, wait a minute, something's going on. And so um, that's a trend. And so what we did is um, uh, two years ago, we put a provision in the law that directed the Corps of Engineers to look at how to manage the water from the old river control structure, which of course is uh, north of Baton Rouge. It's where the uh, the old river, the Chafalaya and Mississippi river kind of all have that confluence and it, and it manages that flow uh, on the lower system. But we recognize that, that, the, that we actually need to look even much higher in the system. So there there's a provision that looks at the upper Mississippi river system uh, above that sort of uh, Cape Jardo, um, Jardo and, 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 birds, uh, New Madrid area north. And then a second provision that looks at that area South because a lot of folks just look at the at their flooding problems in the water and just say get it into the river as quick as you can and that may solve their problems but it presents dilemmas for us and not just in the fact that we're managing record water year after year but also that we're seeing these dead zones in the gulf of mexico that are the size of connecticut um in the area that's supposed to have the top fisheries and the and the uh, highest ecological production on the, on the continent, so um, you know those aren't compatible. So we we included a provision that requires that that they look at how to manage that water flow, um, looking at other tools available that could even mean reservoirs and slowing down water in the upper system, sending it through buffer zones and riparian areas to filter out some of the um, nutrients that are in there. Um, but stop all this surge of water to us. And then, of course, down in our area, look at these river reconnection projects. And I want to really reiterate my river reconnection, re- reestablishment, re-re-re um, uh, term, but, but simply helping to reestablish the connection between the river and the coastal area that was there before, because that gives us more tools to manage the water and doesn't just dump everything into Lake Pontchartrain or through the Morganza floodway and dumping it on Morgan city and other areas that quite frankly, can't handle more water. And so it just brings more tools to the tool chest that looks at it like the system that it is and it it looks at it more uh, providing more holistic solutions. So I think it's it's really an important provision. It's gonna be an important study to recommend, I think fundamental changes in how we manage the system to benefit the coastal ecology, to benefit the seafood, to benefit the communities, to help rebuild and reestablish this Delta building process. And so um, a very important uh, provision that, that, that I think is gonna yield some big changes.
1: You bringing up New Madrid and all these things reminds me of the Mississippi River Commission, right? And they'll be in town next week for their low water tour, um, which they do every August. And um, I had just started at Restore Retreat, and that was one of the first, um, I had started in January, is one of the first things I did. And we did the low water inspection tour, and then they were going to do a ribbon cutting on a feature of Windles. And um, but the Corps had to cut that short because they had to get back to New Orleans because there was a hurricane in the Gulf and it was Hurricane Katrina. And we were all there on that Friday and those 12 hours everything turned on a dime. Right. But that, that is so vivid in my memory that we were all there on that boat for the Mississippi river commission. We were going to do a ribbon cutting for Wendell and, um, and that's crazy. That's just crazy to think that that was 15 years ago. So, um, sorry, just had to talk about that connection, but, um, Garrett, tell us what's next. Um, the civics lessons. What's what's next for Worda? What are the next steps, and what are some timelines associated with
2: that? Sure. Uh, so the the Senate committee has a uh, a bill. Uh, we're waiting on full Senate action on that legislation, um, and we're 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 kind of going through a few things. So if um, if we go the full Schoolhouse Rock video method, um, the 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 Senate bill has to pass the Senate floor, uh, then we. Then we have a House-Senate negotiating team that uh, negotiates a compromise version, kind of integrating the two. That would then go back to the House and Senate as a vote, as, an, as a straight up or down vote. It's called a conference committee report. Um, what may happen in this case is that we do something less formal, where the bill might not actually ever, or the, the current Senate version might not actually pass the Senate. We may actually just do a informal conference negotiation based on the current Senate bill in the current House bill, and then uh, kick out a compromise version that would go back to the House and Senate for a final vote, then to the White House. But, um, you know, the good news is, even in this divisive environment, uh, this is a space where we can reach consensus and a perfect uh, kind of example or evidence of that is that this bill did pass both out of committee and off the House floor by a voice vote, which is usually usually indicates Uh, near uh, unanimous support, or in some cases, unanimous support. So really exciting, a bill as consequential as this one, we were able to get to that kind of broad support.
1: So our time with you is kind of wrapping up. We have a few more things we want to hit on. Um, We do have some of our listeners that were impacted um, by the 2016 floods. Can you quickly hit on duplication of benefits for us and where you are and, and what you're overcoming?
2: Yeah, so so we secured $1.7 billion for the state of Louisiana to hand out to flood victims from our thousand-year flood we had in 2016. Um, only the federal government can come up with these crazy things where uh, they say that if you got a loan, you were ineligible for a grant uh, because they they considered them duplicative of one another. It was really bad policy because those people that got a loan were those that were trying to recover faster and get back into their homes and their community earlier. Uh, we didn't know the grants were going to be available at that time. So when the grants became available, those that were proactive were told, you're not allowed, you're ineligible for a grant. We think that's, again, bad policy. We changed the law to make them eligible uh, for those grants. Just like everyone else and uh, the federal government, the federal bureaucracy among FEMA, the Office of Management and Budget and HUD um, did an awful job implementing that law. So we've come in and added additional provisions to the appropriations bill to help do some recalibration or course correction there, just simply to make sure that money gets into the victim's hands of $1.7 billion dollars. Uh, here we are four years later, and only 700 million of it has been offered to flood victims. So just really frustrating. You have needs, you have money, and we're just trying to connect the dots.
1: Yeah, that's important um, for for the recovery of that area. But back to that common sense making the connection. Um, it is frustrating, I would imagine. But thank you for bird dogging that, right, to stay on that and to to make sure, sure that those folks get what they need.
2: Yeah. Well, the good news is, is is somewhere probably around 75 or maybe even 80 percent, I believe, of the victims have, have been been paid or been made eligible. But they just keep they keep coming up with these obstacles and we just keep going in and knocking them down. <laughs> Congressman, I did
0: want to ask about your role as the co-chair of the Select Committee on the Climate Crisis. Um, you've had a number of, you know, folks from Louisiana go to Capitol Hill and share their perspectives. You've hosted a number of your colleagues from other parts of the country here in Louisiana to kind of elevate what's happening on the ground in Louisiana. So anything you want to share about, you know, that that role and also um, that committee and how you've been able to uh, highlight what's happening in Louisiana as part of that?
2: Yeah, you know, Jack, we, we we talked earlier about the governor's executive orders. We talked about Hurricane Katrina and some of the the progress since then, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. When you when you bring up the climate topic, it also it usually becomes a very divisive issue. And I think if you if you if you rather than talking about climate, you know, sort of writ large, this this you know big uh, topic that macro level issue, let's talk about the components of it. Let's talk about community resiliency. Let's talk about how to protect our coastal communities where forty uh, percent of the population lives today. And and that's not that's not partisan. We can come to agreement that we need to make sure we're protecting our communities and and, and making these areas more resilient. Um, when you start talking about solutions to uh, bring down energy costs, and that may be how you talk about it, in one crowd. But that same strategy results in lower emissions. I mean, why are we arguing? You know, <laughs> you, you, you know that's a that's a win win. And there's clear evidence. That, that some of the newer energy strategies that we've been implementing in the United States, they have made energy more affordable and reduced emissions and not, not slightly, I'm talking huge reductions in emissions that allows the United States to uh, be the global leader in emissions reduction over the last about 15 years. And so, you know, I just think it's, 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 it's important instead of just talking about it as this macro issue, let's talk about the components of it. Let's break it down into bite-sized pieces and um, we've had a lot of success in bringing people together, in making progress, in changing laws um, that, that, that truly advances the, these objectives of of having a cleaner environment, reducing emissions, um, setting uh, new global uh, kind of standards on technology and best practices, and uh, you know the, these are all wins. And and uh, of course, just the resiliency of our communities and our and our ecosystem is is fantastic. And so. Um, I've enjoyed the opportunity to work on it, and I just hope we can keep trying to move, uh, hopefully after, these, after the presidential election and all the politics that goes along with it, uh, get back down to some degree of sanity and, uh, and make progress on, on these issues instead of just making everything a food fight.
1: Well, this is um, the last thing I'll have to say, and this is a personal privilege because it's our show and I can say what I want, but um, I just wanted to thank you for LA One. Um, I'm a member of the LA One Executive Committee. Many people know that um, I share an office and have spent 15 years of my life with Henri Boulet. Um, but I think um, that was a huge win to, to get a grant to round out the money that was needed um, for the elevated highway. and. I think people may or may not realize how long you have had um a role in championing that project, right? From from when you worked in, in other congressman's office and now you are the congressman. I don't want that to to go unsaid um because I'm looking forward to standing next to you when we cut some ribbons. Um, we will stand in front of Roy P. Francis. So he does not get to stand in the front anymore. Um, but I'm looking forward to that day. And I just wanted to thank you for that, for all your efforts to um, you know, it's it's about connecting industry, but it is about connecting to our coast and and frankly has a lot to do with with changing worlds and why we have to elevate the road to begin with. So thank you. Thank you for your decades of work on, on LA-1, so.
2: You got it, very excited. I, I somebody, just, very quickly just, I will never forget the first meeting that I had with somebody on this talking about it and asking for the money. And they, they looked at the map and saw how it went down into the water effectively. And I, I I'll just never forget. He just looked at me and he goes, let me give you some advice. This will never happen, and I Let's remember find just that
1: like, we're going to find that guy. We're gonna find that guy.
2: We're gonna invite you. him. <laughs> Tell me
1: <laughs> well, our time. We don't want to take up any more time with you. You have important things that you need to work on that you need to do for us that you're already doing for us. And so, um, the time has come for our fun question of the show. This helps us to get to know our guests a little better. And I had already had a fun question in my head, but you mentioned it earlier in the show. I was going to ask you what your favorite summer job was as we come to the end of a summer, but it sounded like you might've been in summer school <laughs> and not eligible for employment. Some of those times um, So, uh, answer either way, what was your favorite yeah. um, summer school year or what was your favorite <laughs> summer job?
2: <laughs> you know, the, you know, the sixth time I took chemistry, I know. I'm kidding. Um, so, you know, um, I, I, uh, you, you, Simone, you and I have talked a lot, and, and uh, just know that I, I really just love being outside. And um, so, uh, for for a number of years, I was a, a river guide, a whitewater guide, and uh, and I love that. And the other is I was a, I was a mountaineering, a, a wilderness instructor, and I would do that every summer. And so, I just anything that that I think um, uh, gets you outside and 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 just an opportunity to. Uh, To to be out there to work out there and just enjoy uh, being in the outdoors, I'd 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 do it. Uh, I'd I'd be a a deckhand on a on a fishing boat. I I really (laughs) love being outside.
1: Well, we look forward to you returning your um your series where you spend the day in somebody's job. And so we'll have to get you on that boat to be a deckhand. I know some people that can make that happen. So yeah,
2: I I I, got to tell you, garbage man is a is a close second or third in there. That was a lot of fun. Although I'm not sure the summer is really as compatible, maybe in the fall, uh, doing that next You
1: time. can't pick and choose when you were. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Garrett, for, for being on with us today. It's always a, a real pleasure to talk to you. I'll, I'll let uh, Jacques close this out with the Coastal Voice of the Week.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Congressman, for being on and for everything you've done for Louisiana and our coast. Um, and speaking of our coast, it's time for the Coastal Voice of the Week. And this week is from Helen um, in Baton Rouge. And Helen says... I love our beautiful coastline and we need to stop the erosion that is happening before we lose the foundation of land here in Louisiana. So couldn't agree more, Helen. Uh, You can go to restorethecoast.org and share your perspective and we might just read it on the show one day. So another great episode of a land yap episode with the Congressman. So huge thanks to Congressman Graves for making this happen. Um, And we'll be back on our next episode on Delta Dispatches. See you later, alligators.